0: We are in Leviticus 24. We're covering the first nine verses. Uh, I had the classic, like, God, why, what does this mean experience? But now it's, I'm like, I cannot wait to teach you guys these nine verses. I have, you guys, I'll just ruin it right now. I have, no, I'm not going to say it, I'm not going to say it. Oh, wait, let me read this verse. Uh, let's read the first nine verses of Leviticus 24, then we will pray. Here we go. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil from beaten olives for the lamp that a light may be kept burning regularly. Outside the veil of the testimony in the tent of meeting, Aaron shall arrange it from evening to morning before the Lord regularly. It shall be a statute forever throughout all your generations. He shall arrange the lamps on the lampstand of pure gold before the Lord regularly. You shall take fine flour and bake 12 loaves from it. Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each loaf, and you shall set them in two piles, six in a pile on the table of pure gold before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each pile that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion as a food offering to the Lord. Every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever." And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, since it is for him a most holy portion out of the Lord's food offerings, a perpetual due. That's God's word. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for Leviticus, and thank you for the treasure that is in it. God, thank you for the treasure that's in your word. God, when we just like dig deep and ask questions, there's just such richness in your word, God. And so, Help us together to see what, you, what you're trying to get across here, Lord. What does this mean? What were you saying? What does it mean for us? And above all, Holy Spirit, would you just help us right now just to, to sit like at the feet of Jesus under your word? Would you minister to us, Holy Spirit? Would you speak to us, Holy Spirit? Would you convict us? And would you save some of us, Lord? Would, would you help us just to meet and commune with you in your word right now? Thank you, God, we get to be here together. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, I hope you guys had a good Easter. I hope you did. I don't know how, to be honest, Easter is like a random holiday for me. My mom worked at a church. I was, it was just like church day. I'd never like celebrated it. So I'm just like, yeah, Easter is cool. But I hope you have a good Easter. It's, it's good for like the church day, but anyways. So, but here's the thing. When, we, when you guys think about Easter, okay? When you think about the cross and the resurrection, it's good, if, if I were to ask you right now, if I were to quiz you, if I were to just pull you up, and be like, okay, you stand right here in front of everyone, and I say, what is the best thing that you get out of Easter? Okay, just picture, what would you say right now? What is the best result that you get out of Easter? I'll tell you what, it's not the forgiveness of your sins. Did you know that? What, what are you saying? It's not the cleansing of your sins. You guys, it's not even the promise of eternal life. Do you guys know what it is? It's that you were brought near to God that you get God. That's the greatest gift of Easter. You guys, God, to be with and enjoy and have fellowship and communion with God is the best thing Jesus bought for you on the cross. Because honestly, like, what if he just saved you? What if he just forgave you? But like, you don't get to hang out with God. Like, would you be okay with that? What if you got to go to heaven? This is an honest question. What if you got to go to heaven, have all the people you wanted, all the stuff you wanted, eternal life, God wasn't there? Like, is that okay with you? Is that like exciting for you? I mean, on like maybe. That's kind of tempting, right? But I want you guys to know this. The greatest gift you will ever get is the presence of God. The presence of God. Uh, and here's the thing. Some of us, Some of you right now, you know God. You've trusted in Jesus for your sins. You've repented. You've done all that. Um, But you're practically daily living like an orphan. You're practically daily living so far away from the presence of God. You're living so far away from enjoying your heavenly father. When's the last time you're like, man, it is so good to be with God? Guys, that's the greatest gift you've ever been offered. And like we, we walk throughout our days, just not even enjoying the greatest gift imaginable. And so the text, these nine verses are all about the presence of God and seeking the presence of God. Okay. That's what the, these nine verses are about. Um, and now quick little like side note on the, on the one hand, all of us are already in God's presence, Like none of us are escaping God. None of us can hide from God. None of us are like, God's like, dang it, where did they go? Like, that's not a thing. We're always in the presence of God. God is everywhere. There's no planet somewhere far away in some black hole that God's like, yeah, I don't go there. So on one level, we're all in the presence of God. But then then the Bible talks a lot about, hey, you are called to seek the presence of God and press into the presence of God and set yourself before the presence of God. So while God's here everywhere all the time, you are commanded a lot of times to press in and to seek and almost not even be satisfied. Like, I need more. I need more of the presence of God. Okay, so really quick, what's going on in these like weird symbols, right? Like uh, we read about, pure oil for this lamp that's burning before the veil. And then we read about uh, six or two stacks of of bread, like six loaves in each stack, and you put a little frankincense on it, and that's just sitting there on this golden table. Like, what's going on there? What's going on? Here's, Here's one thing. Listen, the oil, the burning lamp, the 12 loaves are a picture of placing oneself before the presence of God. Okay, did you get that? the oil burning, the flame going, the, the bread, is a picture of people putting themselves before the presence of God. It used to like sit, so in the, the tabernacle, there was like three parts, okay? There was the outside, the court, then there was the holy place, which is the inside, and then there was this one little room, and it was like a little room, and only one person went in one at a time. So there was a veil separating the holy place From the most holy place. And that veil is where the lamp's gonna be burning before, where this bread's hanging out, okay? And so that veil represented the presence of God. And so taking oil, burning this lamp, taking bread, it represents I'm, I'm putting something myself before the Lord. So the oil, where did it come from? Because remember. It says it came from the people of Israel. The people of Israel have to go crush a bunch of olives, get the oil, and then give it to God. Uh, The bread is also an offering from the people to God. To be honest, when I first read this, I was like, okay, the oil, the bread, is it like eating the bread? Because that's like, I'm experiencing God's presence because that's a biblical metaphor. That's actually not what's going on here. The bread is from people that has been given to God. And how many loaves, if you guys are quick at math, two stacks of six, 12, right? You guys know how many uh, tribes are where in Israel? 12. So this is a picture that all 12 tribes were always before the Lord. At all times, there'd be these stacks of bread and it's representing the people of Israel are always before the Lord. And the lamp that's burning, that oil came from the people of Israel and they brought it to the Lord, So now listen, this is really important, guys. It's interesting the the human participation that's needed. There's like assembly required. You had to bring the oil. You had to crush the, you had to find olives. You had to crush the olives. You had to skim out all the like things in the olives to get olive oil. You had to give it. Then they had to go get flour and give it. They had to do this stuff. So listen, God's presence, you guys, this is important. It's not, on one level, something that you just, this is important, you don't just kick back and like, man, God's presence is so good. It actually requires something of you. It actually requires something of you. And here's the point. We, you, are called to actively seek and pursue the presence of God. If you want God's presence, it's going to require pursuit on your end. That's really Important. We are to place ourselves, you are to place yourself in, in places and in positions and postures that are before God. Right? You are to put your heart, you're to you're to set your heart in such a way that's like my I'm placing my heart before God. You're to take your mind and your thoughts and you're to, to do something with it to bring it before God. God. Your, your, your body, your actions, you're to take your body and your life and do something to put it before God. You are called to, to seek the presence of God. I'm just going to read you three verses. You guys, there's probably 150 verses I'm going to read tonight, so just get ready. Psalm 105, verse 4 says this Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. Seek his presence continually. Psalm 27, eight, this is us talking to God. No, this is, yeah, yeah. You have said to God, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Does your heart say that to God? Does your heart say that? Luke 12, this is a nice blending of the metaphor. Luke 12, 35 to 37, Jesus is saying this to you. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Have you ever like waited on the Lord? Like waited, like excited like he's coming. Like I'm ready. You ever done that? This is so funny. Uh, when I was in high school, my parents rented a beach house in Newport with like a bunch of families. And we were on, a, it was, there was a jacuzzi on the roof. So it was like, you're looking at the ocean, you're in the jacuzzi, the sun's setting. It's like almost the best thing. And um, we were having one of those just, you know, like conversations like, what if Jesus comes back? And oh my, we were like kind of in that space. And uh, there was a, a light that started shining in the sky. And I, with all of my heart was like, that is, I fully was like, that's Jesus. And I went there, guys. I literally emotionally was there. I'm like, let's go. And then like, it just started blinking. It was like a plane. And I was like, oh my gosh. But I actually went there. Like, I actually experienced what I'll experience when Jesus comes back. My heart was ready. Um, We're to like have that. Our hearts to be like that before God all the time. So The text is saying, number one, you need to place your life, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength in positions that are seeking the Lord. But but not only that, here's kind of the second little detail that the text is saying. You're to seek God's presence, listen, regularly. Regularly, like all the time. Like unceasing, never ending, I am seeking. Okay, listen to these verses. Verse two says that a light may be kept burning regularly. Verse three, Aaron shall arrange it from evening to morning before the Lord regularly. Verse four, he shall arrange the lamps on the lampstand of pure gold before the Lord regularly. Verse eight, every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. Okay, so if the text is saying, just keep it really simple, this is what these nine verses are saying. You need to seek God and you need to seek God every single day. That's what, that's what God's, this. what these symbols were saying. You need to seek God and you need to seek God Every single day. And um, here, here's what's awesome. You guys are actually able to do that. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in you. God's presence is already in you, helping you. And this is doable, you guys. This is kind of like, okay, so th- these nine verses are, are one of those like lessons that it's not mind-blowing. It's just we just don't do it. Okay, it's one of those. Like sometimes it's fun when you read the Bible and you're like, no way. Let me tell you, these nine verses are saying you just need to see God a lot. That's what it's saying. And so it's very simple, it's very simple, but it's something that we just don't really do. Um, like I'll be honest, here, like if I could sum, what does it mean to seek God every single day? The, the, if the Bible were to sum it up, listen, three things. You need to be saved, you need to be born again, you need to have the Holy Spirit in you, uh, Revelation 3.20, Jesus saying, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come into him, eat with him and he with me. So number one, you need to be saved. you to be born again. You're not hanging out with God if you're not born again. Number two, you ready for this mind-blowing truth? You need to read your Bible. It's like what the Bible says. You wanna hang out with God? You need to read your Bible. The lamp burning, do you know what that's like an image of? The light, do you know what light is an image of in the Bible? It's truth going out. It's truth. And do you know what else a light and fire is? It's this picture of the spirit of God. Okay, so you need to read your Bible and be full of the Holy Spirit. Third thing, you ready for this mind-blowing truth? You just need to pray. You need to actually like pray. You need to pray. You need to hang out with God. You need to actually stop what you're doing and be with God. Talk to God. Spend time with God. Like listen to what his word is saying. Let the spirit like stir your heart as you're reading. You guys, that's pretty much it. Honestly, that's pretty much it. There's like a few like, yeah, you can fast or like uh, if I were to add one more, maybe it's like do it with the body of Christ. Like you're not supposed to be like on some island alone. But hanging out with God is not that complicated. It's just something that we, we don't do. It's very simple. And I wonder, I wonder why aren't we seeking the Lord continually? Why aren't, why aren't I seeking God regularly? I think one answer is it's just hard, right? It's just hard. It's just hard to just not look at your phone and watch TV or do whatever else is fine to do. It's hard when you're busy and you're working and you have school or like life. It's just hard. It's hard to, okay, for me, it's hard to wake up. It's just hard to wake up. And I wanna just sleep every last second I can And I'm like, great, now I have to go like do life. And I just, all that time was supposed to be for the Lord. Like, it's just hard. I think that's one answer. But here's another answer, you guys. I think we forget how good it is. I think we forget how good it is to just sit with our Bible and the spirit and just be in the presence of God. And we just forget. Somehow we forget. We, like, we kind of fill our lives with little joys and satisfactions and food and people and life and busyness, and we actually forget what we're missing out on. Like we're missing out on the best thing in the universe, and that's fellowship and communion with the presence of God. So these nine verses are simple. Hang out with God a lot, Okay. Um, but here's what I want to do to just help us like meditate and like get deep into this. Um, I went through the Bible as best I could and I found pretty much every benefit of being with God. I found pretty much every verse or topic or story I could on like seeking the presence of God. What does the presence of God do? I found 19 things. I just wanted to find 20 because wouldn't that be nice? But I found 19 um, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go through 19 points on why would you seek the presence of God. 19, you guys ready? This is gonna be crazy. I don't know, we'll maybe be here for a while, but no problem. So seek God a lot. The starting point when we wanna hang out with God, what are, does the Bible start? I kind of mentioned this. You guys, did you know the Bible starts with the idea that God wants to be with you do you know that's how the Bible starts? God wants to hang out with his people, with his creation. He created everything in a garden where basically the main thing was like, hey, let's just hang out with God. We're they literally walked with God and talked with God. That was how you were created. That was original design. That was like what God wanted from the beginning. And what did we do? Of course, we rebelled. We're like, no, God's like, it's crazy, but I want this apple more than God. And so we we ruined that relationship. We were kicked out of the garden. We've now been born into this world that lacks the experience of God. And uh, there's a state, it's, it's called sin. You're born in sin. And you're actually born, you guys hear, this is, this is gnarly, way to start, but this is true. In sin, in your sin, God's presence is actually a horrible thing. It's too much. It's terrifying and it will kill you. God is so holy and so perfect we used to be able to hang out with them and now because of our sin, God's presence is a horrific thing. And if you were to be in his presence, you would die. We, we, blew, we blew that one. Listen to these three verses. Exodus 33, 20. God, but he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Numbers eighteen twenty two. The sons of Israel shall not come near the tent of meeting again or they shall bear their sin and die. And then even when the guy like the Ark of the Covenant was gonna fall. He's like, no, let me just catch it, dies. You guys, when in our sin, God is too holy and we can't be in his presence. Like We wrecked that one. God's like, I wanna create everything to be with you and we ruined it with our sin. And yet, point number two, listen, God's heart to be with you hasn't changed. God's heart to be with his creation never changed. And so from the garden on, God has been pursuing broken, rebellious people in his image that he could be, rescue them and bring them back to be with him. That's what God's been doing from day one. Adam and Eve, they ruined it. God's like, I'm going to kill an animal and I'm going to cover them. And though they can't be in my presence in the garden anymore, like I'm gonna still be with them. And he went and grabbed Abraham and was like, Abraham, I want you to be with me and I'm gonna create a whole people through you that they can be with me. And his people, when they're in slavery, he's like, I'm gonna go rescue them so that they can be with me. And then he was like, I'm gonna make this tabernacle so that they can make sacrifices and they can be with me again. And then he sent prophets so that people would return to him so that they could be with God again. And you know what's crazy? We never changed, and we never got the message. And we continually said, no, I want my sin more than God. And so God said, I'm coming myself as Jesus to be with them. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He tabernacled with us. And Jesus' goal was, I'm going to restore my presence with them. That veil that used to separate us from God, he tore it in two. His blood took all of your sin away that you not just could be forgiven, that you could come back to be with God. So listen, this is so important. When you're thinking about seeking God's presence, we don't seek God first. You never would have sought God. You in your sin would rebel for the rest of your life, but God loves his people and says, I want to be with them. And he's initiated and he's pursued you and he came after you with Jesus. So listen, when I'm, when you're thinking about, I want God's presence. No, you could never have entered his presence without him coming first after you and seeking you and making a way for you to be with him. Listen, God's presence isn't free. It cost him his son. To enjoy God's presence, like you can't just like, oh, I just wanna chill and be with God, like you would die. God says, I have to kill my son, pour out all my wrath for your and my sin. God's presence isn't free, but it was purchased for you. And so to us, it is a free gift, but it was a costly gift. So God pursues us. So once you, we know that foundation, man, God wants to be with us and he made a way with Jesus here are 17 more truths on his presence. Number three, God's presence can be found. That's simple, but that's profound. You can experience God's presence. You can. Here's a verse, Jeremiah 29:13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Okay, I'm gonna get a little technical. We live in a postmodern world, which basically says you can't really know truth You can't really know anything. All you can know is your experience of a thing. There's no objective thing out there. It's honestly, it's it's nonsense. It's dumb. It's wrong. Uh, Because God says, listen, I'm real. And I came after you. And you can experience me. And my word is a real thing. This isn't like my people's experience of God. This is God speaking truth. And so you can read this objective thing and pursue an objective God who's really there and actually experience him. Life isn't just like, oh, I wonder about it. like my experiences. Like God is a real person who like you can be- metaphorically go to his house, knock on the door, open it up, and go hang out with him. God is real, and you can experience his presence. And if you're a Christian, his spirit is in you right now, and you have the presence of God already. God's presence can be found. Don't let anyone tell you that it can't be. You guys, his presence can be found. Number four, this is an interesting one. God's presence comes and goes. What are you saying? Uh, there's this little theological word or biblical word called the manifest presence. This is important. Uh, so here's two, it, two truths. Number one, we're always in God's presence, right? We talked about that. You can't escape God's presence Uh, David says, where can I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's the grave, you are there. If I take the wings, if I get up really early, you're there. If I go to the bottom of the ocean, the uttermost parts of the sea, you're there. Even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So you're always in God's presence. But number two, God specifically shows up in history in unique ways. That's called his manifest presence. When his presence is manifested, it shows up in a special way. Okay, so I'm gonna read uh, two verses of that. Leviticus 9, verse 23, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell face down on the ground. That happens. You guys know that happens? Do you know right now, literally that could happen in some weird way where like we're just undone and we're on our face. That happens. That's a thing in the Bible. It happens a lot. Whenever people experience angels or the presence of God, the manifest presence, we fall down on our faces. And do you know where it typically shows up most? In the corporate gathering of worship. That's where it typically shows up. When people, like right now, are like, we are going to get together and be with Jesus. And we're going to seek him together. Almost every time when this God's manifest presence comes, it's in the setting of corporate worship. Listen to this, Psalm 64, 65, four. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and the holiness of your temple. And one more, Psalm 27, four. Listen, one thing I have asked of the Lord. If you could ask God one thing that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Man, if you guys want like that manifest presence, keep attending gatherings around Jesus. The Spirit falls in crazy ways. Um, That's number four. Number five is this. This is so good. God's presence is the source of your deepest joy. You won't find joy more significant, more beautiful than in God's presence. Psalm 16:1, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You guys, God is the fountainhead of every pleasure you have ever experienced made your brains and your nerve endings and your adrenal glands and all the pleasure you've experienced, guys, listen, are a mere drop from the fountain that is God. Just let that blow your mind. The best experience I've had eating free birds, just the weather's perfect, like no more pleasure is a mere drop that came from the fountain of God. You guys, if you've ever like, seen a big waterfall, you know, like when you start approaching, everything's just wet because there's just mist? You guys, all the pleasures of life are like a mist and God's like, I'm the waterfall. I have so much pleasure, you have no idea. God's presence is where pleasure literally came from. I think Satan came up with good feelings and pleasure and nerve endings. No, came from the right hand of God. And you know what's cool? Uh, do you know who's at the right hand of God right now? Anybody know? His name's Jesus. I just think that's significant. To be with Jesus is where the pleasures are forevermore. Jesus said this, he he prayed this and is praying this for you right now. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. You know, Jesus is out for your joy. He's out for your joy. Right now, Jesus wants your joy. So he says, come, taste and see, experience me. Man, sin is just actually insane. No, I just want less pleasure. Okay, point number six. God's presence provides us safety from danger. Listen to Psalm 3120. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. And in Psalm 91, I'm gonna read you parts of the first 10 verses. This is where our name came from. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Just picture that. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He will cover you with his pinions, that's wings, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your Tent. Now I don't know if your heart is like this. My heart is. I get I get afraid. You guys just get afraid. Get fearful. And I get most fearful for whatever reason of like spiritual warfare. I just do. I freak out. Like I've experienced a significant amount of like satanic dreams and demons and demon possession and horrible things. And like there's just a little kid in me and I just get scared. You know, like you just get scared. Um, It's been gnarly for me lately. Like I've had a lot of just warfare and dreams and different things. Um, and God says, hey, come, come hide with me. Come be with me. You are safe with me. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. So, you know, on, um, practically, like what, is, what does that mean a Christian can't ever die? And on some level, no, it doesn't mean that because, do you know, this is the verse Satan quoted to Jesus and Jesus is like, dude, you're, you're using that verse wrong. What this is saying is that ultimately we will be with the Lord forever and we're gonna be Okay. We're gonna be okay. Um, some of you guys may fear death. Some of you guys uh, may just like experience that fear. And the Lord says, in my presence, I will provide safety. There's real, literal safety in his presence. Similar point, verse seven, not verse 7.7. 7, God's presence expels fear, okay? So six is God, actually, you're safe. But but seven You can use God's presence as a weapon to expel fear in your life, okay? Listen to this verse, Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I like that. God just with a like your rod. Like, no, like, go ahead. Come on, like, let's go. Let's go whatever it would be in the valley and God's ready to go. You know, like the, uh, I don't know, another word, the gnarliness, the holiness, the like extreme power of God, on the one hand, can freak us out. On the other hand, that is for you now. All of God's strength is for you. And he's just got this rod in his hand. Like, just picture, like, just, just, uh, like, I don't know, picture some dad just, (laughs) I can't get this out of my head this is good. Um, one time when I was in junior high, we ding dong no, we toilet papered this girl's house. My friend was like, oh yeah, we're great friends. Nothing won't be bad. So we like ding dong, or we like toilet paper, ding dong ditch. It's like three in the morning. And um, I thought I like wanted to get a good look. So there's like a tree in the middle of the yard. And I was like, I'm just going to hide on the other side of the tree. So we ding dong ditch and I'm just, we're all happy. And the door just flies open. And you guys, a man bigger than Vince in his whitey tidies and a baseball bat comes out full speed, just like, like the front door goes boom. And he's just running out and he's standing there just a full warrior. And I'm literally like a, like 11 year old in the lawn. Like this is the end of my life. This is literally the end of my life. Um, and then I'm thinking, what do I do? And I'm like, I'm just going to chill. And then this little white dog comes out and like, walks up to me. And I'm like, dude, this dog's giving me away. I'm about to die. So I think I could just outrun this guy. Maybe he's slow. And I take off running. And it's the most terrifying. It's like Jurassic Park with the, the thing behind you. And I look. And he's just furious. And I was like, I'm not going to make it. He's going he's gonna to kill me. But maybe if I surrender, it'll be better. So I just stop. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he grabs me, picks me up. He throws me against this giant like, like whatever wall and all the neighbors are like, what's going on? And he has a baseball bat and he's just cussing me out. And he's going like this right next to my head, just boom, boom. And I'm just uh, like, no. Um, and he let me go, but that you guys, I know it's crazy, but this is in my head. This is important. This is why this matters. What if that man was just like, got your back at all times? Anything you've ever experienced, he's just there like, I got you. What do you need? What do you want? You guys, when we, f- when we trust God and fear God, listen, he's a mighty lion. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. His claws, his strength, his power is unlike anyone else. And that's a problem when you're his enemy. That's a real problem. But when you're his son or his daughter, all of that strength and fury is for you now. It's for you. Do you know that demons are actually afraid of Jesus? I know, like, it's, yeah, but, but for real, though. Next time you're, like, in spiritual warfare, when you say Jesus, they are literally terrified. They are actually afraid. When you read the stories in the Bible, they are cowering. They're begging, please, Jesus, no. You guys, God is so I'm like, gnarly and is for us. All that power and that strength and that might, he's for you. And demons run and flee. And so when you're facing fear, remember, even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, he's with me and his rod is with me and for me and will fight for me. And when you experience the nearness of God in those moments, like fear flees. Like you're okay, you are Okay. Point number eight is this. God's presence brings humility and exposes our sin. Uh, One of the most godly men ever, his name was Isaiah. One time God gave him a vision of like heaven and he's seeing God seated on his throne and all these angels are around and they're just declaring holy, holy, holy and the angels can't even look at God. They're just covering their eyes and you know what Isaiah does he just falls apart and he says, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. When, when you experience the presence of God, that is the right response when there's sin in your life. That's the right response. Like just fall on our knees. God, I am like, I'm so sorry. Woe is me for you are so holy and like I have sinned. So when you come to worship, Here's two, there's this battle for your soul, okay? This is what Satan's doing. Satan is wanting you to fix your eyes on your sin. And he's saying, look at you, you're guilty. Look at you, you're ugly. Look at you, you're dirty. But do you know what the Holy Spirit's doing? He's fixing your eyes on Jesus. Okay, that's different. It's really important. But when you look at Jesus and God and his holiness, this humbling should happen. It's this byproduct. When you look at God, there's a, a healthy byproduct of woe is me i know my sin i know my sin and we it humbles us and it exposes our sin number nine it's related repentance of sin listen repentance of sin restores a fresh sense of god's presence okay when you repent of that sin this thing happens where like this fresh sense of God's presence come. Listen to Acts 3, 19 and 20. Repent, therefore, and turn back, which is what repentance is, that your sin may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When you repent, this refreshing comes. Man, if you've ever been in sin, like you are actively in sin, you're not telling people you're like, I feel like a slave to this sin and then you've repented of it, you've experienced that. You've experienced that refreshing. You have. Because once, once sin is out in the open and like you're forgiven, it's just freeing. And when you're walking in sin and hiding it, it's just like weight and chains and exhaustion. And God says, repent, and I'll refresh you. I'll refresh you. David committed some crazy sin, uh, essentially raped a woman, killed her husband, and lied about it. And David was denying it as well. And he was experiencing, this is two, two verses I'm gonna read. In, in Psalm 51, 11, he prayed this, cast me not from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. There was that like, man, why, like, what's going on? And then listen to Psalm 32. For when I kept silent, when we keep silent over our sin. Because if you're in sin right now, repent tonight, confess it. That's why Jesus came for you. And this weight, that heavy hand of God, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing. The heavy hand of God will be lifted and you will be refreshed. Point number 10, God's presence exposes heartless outward religion. Okay, God's presence exposes, listen, if you're faking it, you'll be exposed when God's presence shows up. Um, One of the the things in our text, it said, remember what kind of oil? It said pure oil. The oil that was to be, like fueling this lamp was to be pure. Uh, Matthew, or in Matthew 5, eight, Jesus says this. He says, the pure in heart shall see God. The pure in heart shall see God. So listen, this is important. God wants your heart and not just the act of seeking his presence. Mere outward religion, like I'm doing the sacrifices so I can be with God. God's like, honestly, I hate that. When your heart's not in it, I hate it. Don't even do it. Don't even sing to me if your heart isn't right before me. I don't want it. I want your heart. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You guys, the way to get God's presence isn't faking it. It's not. It's not just, man, I don't want God, but I'm supposed to do this stuff. God wants this pure oil. He wants this pure heart. And uh, listen to James 4, 8. says this, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. James is crazy. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's saying, yeah, like... You're drawn near to God, but really you also want your sin. You're also doing all the stuff. God's like, I want your, your pure heart. When you seek me, I want your heart in this. So here's a question Do you really want God's presence? Or do you just want to like be accepted and do the right thing? God's like, I want your heart. I want pure seeking from me. And God says, You want you want my presence? Like, cleanse your hands. Purify your heart. Stop being double minded. Like, literally, God is saying, guys, if you want my presence, stop sleeping around. Stop, like, stop looking at pornography. Stop taking substances you shouldn't, and then coming to church and being like, God, I want you. He's saying, stop. I don't want that. You're double minded. Purify, you want me? Purify your hearts. Stop being double minded. We can't, like, experience the best of the world and then seek God's presence God's like I want pure hearts and he's not saying be perfect and earn it he's saying repent of your sin receive my blood and then stop it stop walking in your sin seek me stop being double-minded it's a heavy one sorry not sorry point number 11 God's presence this is nice it dissolves our doubt man, that's good. That's good right now for us in this culture, in this, with the lies you are hearing in your classrooms and on TV and everywhere about God. Do you know what solves that? Listen, yeah, sure, study, but God's presence solves that. Uh, You guys know Job, righteous man. God allowed Satan to ruin his life, kill his family, take everything from him. And Job was like, man, like, it's kind of actually not really fair. I didn't, I didn't go sin and deserve this. And so as you read the book of Job, Job kind of like slowly gains, like he kind of puffs up and puffs up and puffs up and starts to be like, man, if I could stand before God, man, if only God would hear me, like I'd have a pretty good case. And he just starts puffing and he's having these doubts. He's like, God, what are you doing? And then God shows up like towards the end. Um, and guess what? He didn't answer any of Job's questions. God, why do you let good people suffer? God, why do the wicked go free? Why do these friends of mine just say wrong things and I'm suffering? God doesn't answer a single question, but he shows up. And when God shows up, Job's, all of his doubts dissolve away. And he says, God, now I know that. I used to to know about you, like I'd heard, but now I know that you are the Lord. And his question's, disappeared. Listen, you're gonna you're gonna have real questions and real struggles. There are difficult truths in this book. People go to hell. Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's a difference between men and women. So Those are in this book and they're hard. And listen, you may never figure out the answer and you may never be okay with it. But if you experience God's presence, you'll know enough to be like, man, I can't figure this out. I don't like this, but I'm not God. God is God, and that's enough, that's enough. You guys, there's, there's been some significant suffering in our church here with our pastor, with his daughter dying of cancer, and he went through this whole season of like, why God, why God? And that's uh, maybe valid to, on one level, like, and God got him to this point where he's like, don't ask me why, like, I'm God, I'm God, I am God. Is my presence enough? Maybe one day you understand, maybe one day you won't understand, but I'm God, seek my presence. And so when you're in this place just struggling with questions, um, listen, you don't need another book, like you need to go seek the Lord. You need to be in his presence. That's what you need. Number 12, uh, God's presence isn't available forever. Isaiah 5, 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near." And some of you guys are like wandering and there's a time when you won't be able to see God's presence anymore. And God's saying, tonight, seek me because I can be found right now, but you don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring. Man, uh, this this is typical. When we're experiencing doing life and we're in sin, here's the thought. Yeah, 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 I know I gotta get this taken care of, but just like a little bit longer. You guys know every step that we continue in sin, like our hearts kind of harden and it gets harder and harder and harder. Like we can't presume upon God just being kind to us. Like we're, we're getting ourselves in a worse spot. And, and so God's saying, seek me while I will be found because number 13, to flee God's presence brings disaster. Um, I was gonna talk about Jonah. Listen, if God tells you to do something, do it. He tried to run from God, it didn't go well. But here's, here's the more important one. Those who have rejected God and don't have faith in Jesus, listen, this is coming for them. Second Thessalonians 1, 9, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. That day's coming. That's really coming. That day's coming for the people who are lost in our lives. They will suffer eternally away from the presence of the Lord. And that's not designed to scare you. No one's ever scared into heaven, but, but that's true. And so we need to seek God now. We need to repent now. We need to run after the lost people in our life now because God's presence is not forever. Number 14, um, this is a little turn of a corner. God's presence is the starting point for effective ministry and work for the Lord. Some of you guys feel called to ministry. Some of you guys wanna, I mean, follow Jesus and like be effective for him. Listen, do you know what Aaron did every single night? He kept that lamp burning when no one else was around. He kept that lamp burning regularly. Before Aaron does any sacrifices, do you know what he's been doing all night? He's just been with God, keeping the lamp burning. Uh, This is a little like thing, like slogan word, I don't know what the word is, phrase saying from our church that goes around. Ministry flows from intimacy. If you wanna do great things for God, you need to sit at his feet. You guys remember Isaiah? He became one of the most effective, amazing prophets. But before that, he was in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, he got the call to go out and do ministry. And he says, here I am, send me. Peter and the disciples, listen, Mark three fourteen. the first thing Jesus did with them, it says, he called them that they might be with him. And then he sent them out to preach and cast out demons. Listen, you wanna preach and cast out demons? go hang out with Jesus, honestly. The Great Commission, go into the nations, but behold, I am with you always. God is with us always. So if you want to have an effective life of ministry, you need to seek the presence of God first. And not only does ministry flow from intimacy, listen, point number 15, seeking God's presence is more important than ministry. Do you know that? You guys, there's two sisters, Martha and Mary, Martha had Jesus over to her house. Picture if you had Jesus over to your house. She's getting all the food ready. She's cleaning. She's doing all this stuff. And Mary's just being a bum, sitting at Jesus' feet. And Martha's like, Jesus, literally she says this, can't you like get her to help me? And Jesus turns to Martha and says, Martha, Mary is doing the one thing necessary. And that's sitting at my feet. He's not impressed with our service. He's not <laughs> He's not impressed with our service. It's awesome we get to do that. But he says, the one thing you need to do is sit at the feet of Jesus. So like literally guys, like tomorrow morning, literally sit at the feet of Jesus. Like literally spend time with Jesus. Like that's actually what you're called to do. Jesus says, this is the one thing necessary is to sit at his feet and we know when we abide in him we're going to bear fruit you're going to love people you're going to get rid of sin you're going to do all this stuff because you've been with Jesus a few more we got four more 16 god's presence man this is good gives us help and strength for the trials in life and to just be sustained in a long sermon listen to these hebrews 4:16 let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. Man, have you ever been in a time of need? Like whatever that may be, financially, relationally, you're overwhelmed. What should you do? Draw near to the throne of grace. Isaiah 40, even youth shall faint and be weary. Listen, I know this is a long sermon and I see the weariness on your faces right now. And that's okay, Bible says it happens. You guys are, we're young. Friday night, we can barely do this. Even young men shall fall exhausted. But listen, they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, you don't need more sleep. You don't need more food. You need to wait on the Lord more than anything else. Uh, I've been, it's so so silly, I'm not that old, but I've been through some hard seasons in life. I've literally been, you guys, working at Starbucks in a bathroom like like crouched against the wall with my hand in my head. like, I can't go on. It's, it's pathetic, but I was really there. And it was in that season, at that moment, in those moments that I experienced the grace of God and the presence of God and the help of God more than any other time. It, like, honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was more than like when we're all together worshiping and everything's good. Like it was in my just, I am exhausted. God helped me. And he's like, my presence is enough for you. Seventeen. Listen, this one's important. Your emotions are not fuel, but a byproduct of God's presence. Listen, if you rely on your emotions to experience God's presence, you're going to burn out of it quick. That is bad fuel. Your emotions are bad fuel. Their Emotions are fine. They're a gift from God. But don't rely on your emotions to go experience the presence of God. That is bad fuel. Um, It's hard work seeking the presence of God. And if all you do is rely on when you feel like it, it will not go well with you. Um, I love this, guys. I really think this is in the text. Do you remember what had to happen to the olives before they turned into oil? That it'd be beaten, right? That it'd be crushed. And beaten olives came before fuel for the fire. Okay, so listen. I think, you guys, this is a picture that the warmth and the flame of emotion and enjoyment in God's presence is a byproduct. It's not the fuel. And I think the fuel is beating olives and trying hard and working and like, I will be with God today. And when I'm doing that with all of my might, I think then the fire begins to grow. We can't rely on our emotions. We have to like literally work hard and do tedious hard, get up early, say no to other things, and seek God's presence. And then emotions begin to come afterwards. Praise God when you just want to be with him. Literally praise God. That's going to be our eternal life with with our new bodies. But for now, it feels like just crushing hard work. But you guys, I'll testify that when I just wake up and I'm so miserable and so tired and I just place, I force myself before the Lord, that flame really does begin to grow. God actually honors that. He actually does. And you guys, this is so good. In the Garden of Gethsemane, do you know what they grew there? Olives. And there was a night when Jesus' emotions were not in what he was called to do. He was called to go lay down his life, suffer the wrath of God, be crushed for our transgressions. And his emotions were not enough. And if Jesus relied on his emotions, we would not be saved. But he was obedient. He obeyed God. And then he was crushed to the point that you guys, blood was dripping from him. He was crushed to that point. Yet he knew joy was set before him and he obeyed God. And right now he's seated at the right hand of God, and we can be saved because Jesus was obedient. You guys, that's like following Jesus. You wanna follow Jesus? We're gonna be crushed and it's gonna be hard and we're gonna to have to simply obey. But joy is coming. Joy is coming. Two more. Point number 18, God's presence gives us rest. Listen to Exodus 33, 14. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Psalm 23 He restores my soul. Matthew 11, 28, come to me and find rest for your soul. You guys, this is true. Some of you guys, uh, some of us, we're just lazy and we need to be told, dude, just wake up and be with Jesus. The other half of us are trying to get ourselves up to heaven and doing everything we can to get in the presence of God. Um. And what God is saying to those of us like that is you need to rest. I've done the work. I was crushed for you. Some of us are trying to like build our own tower of Babel to heaven. God's like, you don't get up here. I come down to you. You need to rest. You're never going to reach me by just your effort and trying and trying and striving and striving. You can never do enough to reach God, to get his presence on your own. You have to rely on Jesus who condescended for you. And so Some of us right now, we need to rest. Like we just need to rest in the fact that Jesus did the work for us. And we need to rest on Jesus for the presence of God, not your religious performance and the fact that you do more things than other people. That's not how you're gonna get God's presence. You need to rest. And the last one is this. I've said this already. God's presence has been given to you in the Holy Spirit if you've repented of your sin and put your hope in Jesus right now, you have the presence of God in your body. He's literally tabernacling in you, in your soul. The presence of God is a gift, you guys, through the blood of Jesus and the filling of the Holy Spirit. So we're gonna worship him. And some of us, man, you've just been lazy. You're not, you're not keeping the lamp burning. You haven't put yourself before the Lord. Like, hey, Repent and start obeying Jesus. Some of you guys are in sin, repent tonight. Satan, you guys, I'm praying that Satan loses footholds in your life tonight and and rely on the blood of Jesus and enjoy his presence. And together, we're just gonna sit and worship and enjoy his presence. The last verse I'm gonna read for you, this is so good. As we seek the Lord and pray to the Lord and sing to the Lord, listen to this verse out of Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord, your God, is in your midst. You guys, God is in our midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. So man, some of us right now, we just need to just rest in the presence of God and let him sing over us because he, God is in our midst. God is with us. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your blood, your perfect life, your sacrifice on the cross that you rose from the dead that we could experience the presence of God. God, we need your help. We're weak, Lord. We're desperate for your presence. Help us to set ourself and our life and our heart and our obedience before you, Lord. God, I ask that right now, Spirit, you would be doing the work that you do. You'd be convicting of sin and pushing us to see Jesus. You'd be bringing rest for those of us who need it and conviction for those of us who need that. God, I pray that we'd confess and repent our sin to one another, to the prayer team, that we'd come take communion and remember that you were broken and you were poured out. And we would remember what you've done for us. And Jesus, would we just not miss out? You are in our midst. We want to place ourselves before you, but now we're asking for your manifest presence to be poured out on us. Come, Holy Spirit, blow. Come, we need you, Lord. We need your presence. Help us to be with you and enjoy you now.